Well, let's talk about mortgages now. Talking about the cost of housing, mortgages, interest rates, it never dies down. I hear it all the time. Um, so what new trends are we seeing recently? Well, a new report finds that one of the most striking developments over the past few years has been the big jump in the popularity of variable rate mortgages. I've never had one, I'll confess. Uh, I'm about to be corrected, I think. According to the RateHub.ca 2021 Digital Money Trends Report, variable rate requests increased by over 40% year-over-year from 2019 to 2020 and saw another increase of nearly 50% year-over-year from 2020 to 2021. Well, joining me now to talk about that and other findings in that report is James Laird. He's the co-founder of RateHub.ca and the president of CanWise Financial Mortgage Brokerage. Thanks for being here tonight, James. Thanks for having me, Ben. So, I mean, clearly variable rate mortgages have increased in popularity over the past few years. By how much and what do you think is driving that? By a significant amount. Um, the last couple of years since the pandemic, we're seeing you know, 40 to 50% more people year over year in each of those two years uh, choose a variable rate over a fixed rate. The first part is pretty simple. Uh, variable rates hit absolute record lows. We, we had a variable rate offer that was less than 1% for uh, a big part of last year. So you get a variable rate at 0.85%. So obviously being able to borrow money uh, for less than 1%, it's pretty unheard of, and it attracted a lot of people, quite understandably. Uh, the other factor um, is the spread between variable and fixed. So whenever the variable rate is at least 1% lower than the five-year fixed rate, we see a lot of people take a serious look at the variable rate. When it's less than 1%, most people say, you know what, these rates are pretty close. One can't change, one can. So I'm going to take the stability of the fixed rate. But when the savings are greater than 1%, and at the moment we're closer to 1.5%, uh, a lot of people say, you know what, I know this is a little bit riskier, but I also know that my rate's going to start 1.5% lower than the fixed rate I can get right now. I'll start saving money right away, and then we'll see what happens for the remaining years. And so that spread between variable and fixed, we find, really drives consumer behavior. I have to confess, I'm always a fixed rate person because I'm more of a of a of a stable person than a let's see what happens kind of person. Um, but what is the right time to make that decision between taking a low rate now and taking a chance on? Because we knew interest rates were going to rise, we we thought so. Um, what's what's the right how do you make that decision properly? I think the decision comes more down to the person, um, not the, you know, trying to predict the future. None of us can do that. Uh, we, we simply can't. Uh, we don't know at the moment whether it's better to go with a variable rate right now or a fixed rate right now. So to me, it starts with the type of person that you are. And many people get a lot of value from knowing exactly what their mortgage payment, it sounds like you're in this camp, you get a lot of value from knowing precisely what your mortgage payment is going to be for five years, you can budget right down to the last dollar, you don't have to worry about global affairs that you know, you don't understand and what the Bank of Canada is doing and what's happening in Europe and, um, and so for a lot of people, the fixed rate is the answer in all cases. Uh, because if they took a variable rate, it would wreck their lives because they'd be stressed about it. Uh, it wouldn't be appropriate. Um, and then there's other people who 
um, you know, that the, the increased risk doesn't bother them and they more, they, they tend to fixate on knowing that the variable rate has been the cheaper way to go for nine times out of 10 over the last 50 years. And, and most people like the variable rate, they, they have the mindset that they're not really trying to call this five years. They're saying, you know what, it's going to take me 20 or 25 years to pay off my mortgage. I'm just going to get variable rates and stick with them. And look, one or two times, maybe it would have been better to take a fixed rate, but I'm pretty confident that over a longer period of time, that same thing that we've seen for the last 50 years will repeat itself and I'll pay less interest in the long run. And I'm not going to worry about it. It's not going to keep me up at night. And so that's the type of person where a variable rate is appropriate. And a little bit further, the faster you're paying down your mortgage, the more a variable rate is uh, the appropriate choice because your rate on day one matters way more so than your rate in year four since your principal has dropped a lot. So if you're towards the end of your mortgage or you expect you're going to get an inheritance or some big bonuses in the coming years and you're going to be able to reduce your balance pretty quickly, then a variable rate should be more attractive to you. So do your math and do what feels comfortable to you, I guess would be the, the sound advice. Yeah, with the do what feels comfortable to you being the first one and then the math second. <laughs> Good advice. Um, you did also notice in this survey that there had been, and I think this is, goes without saying, that there are a lot of people looking for homes right now. Uh, and obviously a lot of people in need of, of advice when it comes to stuff like picking a mortgage. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are are trying to purchase their first home. Some are trying to uh, sell their first home and 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 buy their second home. Uh, housing's definitely on on all of our minds. It's a you know important life goal that that many people have to to acquire a house and a comfortable place to to live their life and raise their family if they have a family. So definitely on everyone's mind, and it's such a you know, it's such a big financial asset, which usually comes with more debt than any of us could ever imagine having, having um, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's on everyone's mind. And, and, you know, the, the young adults, just like the generations before them, the, the young adults uh, who are at that stage in life, uh, they're trying to enter the housing market uh, at the moment. One of the things that was interesting in your report was that uh, two thirds of Canadians that you, that you surveyed believe that home prices will continue to go up this year. And that certainly must motivate people's desire to go look and find something now if they believe it's only going to get more expensive, regardless of what interest rates are doing. Yeah, it definitely drives a need to get in as quickly as you can. Uh, it also, you know, homes are not just people to live. They're also something that people use as an investment as well. So. Uh, you know, if people think that the asset class is going to continue to to appreciate that drives investors are buying rental properties as well. Uh, the other thing we're seeing more so in recent years than than we have historically is people when they go to buy their second home, many more are trying to see if they can keep their first home as well. Um, and you know that's definitely driven by the expectation that uh, the homes are going to keep appreciating and. Also, it kind of perpetuates the pressure on rates because if you purchase a home but you don't um, put your home up for sale, you're you know you're adding to the demand side of the equation without 
uh, helping the supply side by putting your existing residents up for sale. I hadn't thought of that. You're absolutely, you would certainly be, if there is no more, if you're at a, if there's limited capacity or limited supply and you're not actually selling off the home that you own when you buy a new one, you're certainly adding to that. Any advice right now to home, home buy, prospective home buyers out there who are looking at these, what they think is going to be rising prices and rising interest rates? Easiest piece of advice, which is always true, but uh, really true in a rising rate environment is just make, make sure you have a pre-approval. Um, it holds the, the current fixed rate for four months. So then if you happen to find a place that uh, you like and you're successful in negotiating an offer to purchase, uh, you may have a lower rate than what is available at that point in the future, just because uh, rates are rising so rapidly. And then, you know, th the main thing when you're going to do this is uh, just make sure you're at the right stage in life, your finances are in order, um, you're you're prepared to to purchase a home, and if if it's your year to do that, you should go ahead and do it. And but you know you shouldn't rush this year before you're financially or personally ready to do it. Um, it, it starts with when the the household is ready, and when they're ready, they should they should go ahead and purchase. They shouldn't be scared off by rising rates or expensive home prices. But conversely. Uh, if the household is not ready, they shouldn't be trying to jump ahead because they think home prices are going to be more expensive next year than this year. I'm speaking with James Laird, co-founder of RateHub.ca and president of Canwise Financial Mortgage Brokerage. We're talking about uh, RateHub.ca's recent 2021 digital money trends report. When we come back, uh, credit cards. You did some work on what people are doing with their credit cards and found some room for improvement that I think uh, a lot of us, it's advice a lot of us could take. We'll be back with that. I'm back with James Laird, co-founder of RateHub.ca and the president of CanWise Financial Mortgage Brokerage. We're talking about RateHub.ca's recent 2021 digital money trends report. We talked about uh, the rise in variable mortgages or the popularity of variable mortgages, as well as how homeowners or prospective home buyers should approach a rising rate and rising price market. Um, you also did some work on credit cards, which was fascinating. And I think it pointed out one of those usual problems that a lot of people have, which is they have a lot of credit cards in their wallet and half the time they only use a few of them and ignore the other ones. And you found that this is to their own detriment. Yeah, certainly. And I think further to that, um, a lot of Canadians sitting in their wallet is the card from their home bank. It's, you know, if you bank with TD, you probably have some card that you got with TD 17 years ago. You're not really sure why or what it does or how it stacks up against the other cards out there. And so, um, you know, we definitely encourage people to do a little bit of research to consider their spending habits because there's, there's such a variety of cards out there that reward different types of consumers differently. Um, so you definitely shouldn't think that whatever your bank has is the best card for you based on your spending habits. You have seen, and I think, I mean, I think a lot of us saw this during the pandemic that uh, reward cards are always popular, cards that offer rewards. You do pay for them, obviously, um, but that travel rewards took a, deep, qu a quick dive and, and cashback took a big rise. Is, is that always a good choice, the cashback cards? It's probably the simplest one, Ben, like uh, getting cashback is uh, good in all scenarios, whether there's a pandemic or not, you know, regardless of what's happening elsewhere in the world. Uh, 
getting cash back is pretty straightforward and easy. Um, you know, if, if you are a big traveler and uh, things open up, then, then there might be a, a travel card that could be superior to a cashback card. But, you know, if you're not sure, going with the best cashback card for your spending habits is a pretty uh, safe place to go. One thing you did find that was interesting, and I'm guilty of this as well, is that a majority, I mean, more than 50%, um, claim to have checked their only, sorry, a majority have claimed to check the rewards balance in the past year, but only 31% are actually using the rewards that they earned. Was that a surprise that people have these reward cards where they accumulate things? I mean, cashback is a little more simple, but yeah, if you have a rewards card, you're accumulating these rewards, but you're not really using them. Yeah, and, and again, that sort of pattern that we see we're pretty lethargic with our cards here in different, uh, the US and the UK and, and other places. They're, they're more active in sort of maximizing what they can get and being aware of, uh, you know, the types of rewards that they're collecting, ensuring that they, they've got the best card for that. So certainly we think, uh, you know, there's, a, I, I'm sure Canadians would agree that we should get as much as we can from these credit card companies. And so there's definitely room for us to, to, to get more as consumers. Because you found only about 15% of people uh, had actually researched new credit cards, which seems very low considering uh, we most of us or many of us probably use them every single day. Yeah, we use them every day. And um, and yeah, like the, there's tools like ours, rateup.ca or, or others that um, you can put in your spending habits, um, how much you spend and where and uh, what type of rewards that you're looking for, whether it's cashback, travel or other things. And uh, we can recommend what the best card is uh, to maximize rewards based on your spending habits. So I think the main, main message is just to, to, to shop around and make sure you've got a good card in your wallet. That's, uh, you know, it, you know, we're talking about one or 2% and based on all of our expenses, uh, saving one or two percent is would be pretty nice, especially with uh, everything we're purchasing these days costing more and more on a month to month basis. Yeah, we've been getting advice, obviously, from different people about really if you want to find ways to cut down on your spending, especially in an inflationary environment, that some of these tactics just basic, you know, monitor everything you're doing on a daily basis and go back and see where you can save easily. Is it one thing you did ask about too, and I think very, very few people had done this, is gone back to their existing bank and, and tried to renegotiate the terms of their existing card or found a better card for themselves with their existing bank? Yeah, certainly. Like I think the uh, main thing we're encouraging is this try hard to, to have a good card. Uh, you should include, always include your existing institution. Uh, and this really applies to to credit cards or mortgages or checking accounts, um, your main institution should absolutely be one of the considerations, but not the only consideration. And they should also know that they, you know, there's sort of a, a reverse loyalty uh, pricing strategy that happens amongst the financial institutions where uh, their pricing strategy, actually, the people the most loyal pay the most because the bank knows there's no competitive pressure. So they have uh, no reason to give you that promotionary rate or make an exception on your mortgage rate. Um, but the consumers who show their their home bank that, you know what, I will do business with you, but your 
your rates better stack up against the broader market. And if they don't, I'm going to go elsewhere. That type of consumer is paying less and getting more rewards based on the financial products. James Laird, as always, wise advice. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Ben. 911 